Welcome to Stay On Course with me, Julie Riga. My life has been a roller coaster of highs and lows, but what I know to be true is that when we are grounded in our purpose and savor the sweet moments of life, we are truly a success. Today, you are going to get the ingredients for success because life is salty and life is sweet. Together, let's explore the possibilities of our own lives and learn from thought leaders around the globe. Ready, guys? Let's cook it. Welcome, welcome everyone to the Stand Course Podcast. Today, I have the most amazing guest, Blaine Bartlett, and he's a globally recognized leadership development master and thought leader. He is a speaker and author of over five books, including the number one internationally best-selling book, Compassionate Capitalism, A Journey to the Soul. And he's personally delivered programs for more than 300,000 individuals directly impacting more than 1 million people worldwide. He's been featured on TV series. He's uh, been featured in a book and, and featured, in fact, in the book Think and Grow Rich, which is one of my favorite books, and also a TEDx speaker. Welcome, Blaine, to the Stand Course Podcast. It's amazing to have you here today. <laughs> Julie, it is an honor and a thrill to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Great. I'm so excited. But of course, before we get started, what is your favorite food, Blaine? <laughs> My favorite food is tacos. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I, I, my mom used to make tacos when we were growing up. Uh, and yeah, fish tacos, beef tacos, yeah, carnitas. I mean, I just like tacos. Tacos are really yeah. good, especially you know, when you get you know, fresh made tortillas and uh, yeah, it's you know, you can you can do all kinds of stuff with it with fresh yeah you know, fresh made guacamole and yeah it's oh, good. I love that. I love that. So is it Taco <laughs> Tuesdays or Taco Thursdays? Which one? Uh, yes, 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 both. <laughs> both. I'm an equal opportunity taco eater. I mean, why not? You know, why not? You know, because you could do them in all different ways. I think that's the main point here. Yep. And not to be confused with a fajita. <laughs> right. Which is a whole different uh, meal. Yes. It really is. So we are going to talk about a very interesting topic that is near and dear to my heart. We're talking about the journey to the soul. So Blaine, I wonder if you could give us a little bit of your origin story on how it relates to journey of the soul so that we could get a little context around why this is so important to you. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I mean, particularly, and I'll focus on the conscious, you know, not the conscious, yeah, the compassionate capitalism book that you referenced. The tagline on that is a journey to the soul of business. And John Mackey, who's co-founder of Whole Foods, and uh, Raj Sisodia, who's a uh, a professor at Babson uh, Babson College, uh, co-wrote a book called Conscious Capitalism that started the whole conscious capitalism movement. And both of them are good friends of mine. And I was in conversations with both of them separately and said, guys, yeah, for me, something is missing. And consciousness is one thing. It's a recognition that there's uh, stakeholders that are you know, much larger 
than the shareholder group that most people think of. The stakeholders, they ripple out. And the implicit message there is the business is connected to a whole lot of different people, a lot of different cohorts. And the recognition of that uh, connection, I think, is, is really important. But what was missing for me is uh, any conversation around how do you behave as a consequence of recognizing that that connection exists. And that's where compassion came in. Do I behave compassionately in relationship to these other stakeholders? And um, that compassionate piece isn't soft and squishy. Uh, it, it actually enforces some very profound business choices. Mm. I mean, the simple example of that would be, yeah, do you design your product, as an example, with recycling in mind? Because when you throw it away, it impacts the environment and the business is connected to the environment. So behaving compassionately means you design uh, rec recyclability into the product at the outset. So there's the, uh, and that's going to increase the cost. So there's this notion of how do we behave compassionately six, seven, eight levels out from where we would typically think of ourselves you know, interacting? That's very interesting. You know, I had spent many years working in big pharma, like big, big. Yep. The biggest companies you can work for. And the one thing that we talked about our leaders having was an enterprise mindset. Yep. And so- it's not just about what are you doing here, but what are you doing here, here, and here layers out into the ecosystem. And so I think that is a little bit about what you're talking about is having more of this enterprise thinking, this bigger mindset to say, hey, my actions are going to have consequences that are not going to be seen right now, but they're going to be seen seven years out into the future exactly and yeah and not you know just actions that have a pnl impact but actions that have environmental consequences and that you know, societal consequences uh i mean you can you kind of bake that into some very interesting conversations in the boardroom and in the executive suites yeah, yeah. when we start looking at you know how this works and that's i mean if you the, I do a lot of work in in the healthcare space. You know, I mean, pharma is part of that. That I've, I've worked with some of the largest as well. And in the healthcare space, the docs, you know, all take the Hippocratic oath. You know, first do no harm. And I firmly believe that business leaders should have that moral obligation as well to take that same kind of an oath. First, do no harm. That informs the decisions that they make and the mm. ways that they actually interact with their people, not just the employee base, but their people. Yeah. yeah. Everything is touched by business. First, do no harm. First, do no harm. Understand that we're humans first. Yeah. And we're dealing with humans and our universe. I mean, I'll just say universe in the gen generic sense, but the, the communities that we live in are human. They are sure. human communities. Sure. Sure. And they are. The, yeah. And and we're having a human experience. We're all having the same human experience, whether we want to Which admit it or not. Which is where the soul comes in. And right? that's where the soul comes in. <laughs> that's it. That's it. We're having this human experience, whether you want to show that to the world or you don't. Yeah. Because we're all you can ignore having... it. Yeah. But it's still true. 
Sure. And as you get up into those leadership spaces, you either really get it or you really don't. I think there's two kinds of people sitting at those tables, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can't straddle that chasm too long. (laughs) (laughs) You got to You got to pick a, you got to pick a cliff because you're going to fall off a cliff one way or the other. Yeah. 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 So ingredients for success, for journeying to the soul, what we're talking as the first ingredient is really that enterprise mindset or the mindset that you need to have to really understand how you are impacting the world. Yeah. Yeah. The, the mindset piece and I, you know, my, my, my work is leadership development. I've, you know, the, that 300,000 people that you talked about, that's all been focused on leadership strategic plan implementation, all of that sort of stuff. The mindset is an interesting phenomenon. We can use the word paradigm structures. We can use belief systems. All of that comprises what we've colloquially called mindset today. But what's interesting about mindset is it gets reified. It gets almost encased in concrete. (laughs) And this is our, we, we use our mindset to view the world and to inform our actions. The, the difficulty is we begin to believe that what we believe is true. And <laughs> that's a problem. And that mindset you know, becomes kind of an encasement. Um, below mindset, in a model that I work with, and kind of the map of uh, how the world can work, below mindset is this area that we can call spirit or soul. It's where creativity lives. It's where inspiration uh, is born. Mm. Uh, it's the source of the organization's uh, you know, vitae, if you will, that that life. It all is born out of that soul, but it gets covered up by mindset. So being willing to explore mindset is actually the only way that you're really going to begin to access, uh, potentially have access into the soul and at the threshold and this is the second ingredient of this is imagination when you can get beyond your mindset when you can begin yeah kind of letting go of the death grip that we hold on our mindset we start imagining what could be we start imagining possibilities we start imagining and that's what leadership is imagining possibilities and then handing them off to management so that management can turn them into reality Mm. so there's a migration the leadership activity is an imaginal activity and it's all organized around possibility. I love that. I love that. You know, I know, you know, Bob Proctor's teaching and there is one thing that I heard him say that it's just, it always stays with me. And he says, everything that is good is past what he called the line of terror. Mm -hmm. The terror barrier, the terror barrier. And I'm like, Gosh, I want to crush that terror barrier because I experience it <laughs> on a on a new on a number of different ways. I experience that yeah. terror barrier. And I'm like, gosh, if I could just get past it. And that's the mindset piece. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Bob was a dear, dear friend of mine. I knew him for years. He was at our wedding. Um wow. yeah, yeah. We worked together. We yeah, we we wrote some things together. We did a couple of programs together uh, that we developed. And he had, he was probably the master uh, of masters, if you will, at inviting people to understand and explore mindset. Yeah, he absolutely understood the power of it. 
to either quicken where we want to go or keep us trapped in where we are. And that's where that terror barrier comes into play. We get really attached to our mindset. And it's it's got a death grip on many people and moving beyond it. I mean, Mindset and ego. I mean, mindset is how the ego gets developed. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of the ego is to protect. That's that's what the purpose of the ego is about. Yeah. And when we start moving into territory that we don't know, that we're not sure of, that we've never explored before, the ego goes, hold your horses. <laughs> and that's the terror barrier. It is. And, uh... <laughs> and, and that terror barrier, I'm going to tell you, like it's it's so real because if you're like me and there are a lot of listeners that have grown up and in the corporate space so we've mm-hmm. been corporate executives our whole lives there's a lot of transition right now Blaine a lot of layoffs a yeah. lot of people losing their jobs and they're going to be at a at a crossroad yeah they're going to be at a crossroad and is going back to what they knew before the way to go, or is there something new? There is always something new. And that's, you know, one of the, one of the phenomena, if you will, about the soul is it is always looking for further expression. How can I express myself in a bigger, better, more magnificent way? Because the soul is a magnificent edifice. I mean, yeah, all life is born out of that that single soul experience. I mean, it, I look at the tree, you know, sitting outside of my office right now. It has a soul, and it looks to be expressed as fully as it can possibly be expressed, always. And so, when it started out, it was just this little seedling, and then it became a sapling, and then it became much larger. So, it's always looking for that furtherance of expression. Yeah, a, a mentor of mine years ago, actually not a mentor, an old friend of mine from years ago. Um, we were talking about you know the nature of mindset and some of this stuff. And it's a lot of people experience themselves being in a rut. And he said to me, you know what a rut is? And I said, well, I've got a pretty good idea. I mean, you, know, you can imagine it in your mind, the wagon wheels, and you get these ruts. And he says, yeah, a rut is nothing more than a coffin with the ends kicked out. And most wow. people find themselves in a rut. And they don't know how to get out of it. And yesterday informs what today looks like, which informs what tomorrow looks like. And all of a sudden we find ourselves feeling as if we're losing connection to life. Yeah. It just becomes another one of these. Right. That is a horrible way to live. It's horrible. It's horrible. And it's, it's a life that is void of purpose. That's what it is. Exactly. It it's is. a life void yeah. of purpose because when you know what your individual purpose is, that thing lights you up from the inside out. There's no, you oh. can't put that flame down. You can't it's quench an it. Yeah. It it only wants to come out. It only wants to, to come out into the world and be like, here I am. You know, like yep. it's one of those things. It's the people that haven't done the growth work, Blaine. It's the growth work. You have to put time in. You have to spend time with yourself, get to know yourself and understand why you're in the rut. Yep. Yeah. There's a saying over the uh, uh, Temple of Delphi. I mean, it's very common. You know, most people understand this. Know thyself. Yeah. 
know thyself. That's the admonition of the Oracle of Delphi. <laughs> yeah. Know thyself. This isn't new news, but people are diff I mean, it's difficult for people to take that journey on. Yes. Um, I look in the mirror and, and who who's reflected back? Well, you know, I've got an ego. I've got an identity. Who am I? Where do I belong? And that's when we're talking about mindset, particularly in life and in organizations, there are two, there's two questions that are almost, you know, you know, you know, it's called terminal stay resident. These are questions that kind of boot up when I wake up in the morning and I don't even recognize them, but they're always present. Who am I? And where do I belong? And those two questions are artifacts of this mindset. Uh, what limits me isn't who I think I am. It's who I think I'm not. So mm -hmm. when I wake up in the morning going, well, this is who I am. That's just the way I work. I, I operate this way. And you'll hear people, and in, in you and I both have run into this, Julie. You, know, you ask somebody to do something uh, in a workplace, and they go, well, that's not my job. And that answer, that response is basically their answer to who am I? Well, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that would do that. And where do I belong? I belong in this role, not that role. Yeah. And as a consequence, possibilities get truncated. They get limited. You yeah. Know, they never get explored. It's really hard when you work in an organization. When you have your own business, oh. there's no, this is not my job. That's not. That no, it's all my job. It's all my job. <laughs> and whether I want to do it or not, it's my job. People within organizations uh, that that can be the mindset because they're still trying to get somewhere. They're yeah. trying to prove themselves to get somewhere. And I get that. But at a certain point of your existence in leadership, you realize it's not about you anymore. This is not about you. Yeah. It's about the people that you're leading. It's about the people that you're serving. <laughs> yes. And they, in my role as a leader at that point, when I begin to recognize that that's the position I'm in, I have to learn how to, you know, to develop my people because if they aren't developing, I, as a leader, begin to stagnate because yeah. I'm not doing anything out there by myself. Everything that I'm doing that I think I'm doing as a leader, nah, it's my people that are doing it. I'm just you know, introducing possibility and then they take and run with it, ideally. Ideally. Uh, and, and if they're not growing, my organization isn't growing. Yeah. And what, what, what I'm hearing you say and what I'm taking away from this message is that the leader must be ready. They have to have their own authorship, their own self-authored way. We talk about self-authored, self-authored leadership, self-authored. Yes. So basically that means that you are authoring who you are. You know yourself enough that you're writing down what your purpose is, how you're operating, your personality, all these different things. And now you can use that as information to help others uh, grow and, and lead. But if you don't have, if you haven't done the self-growth work, then you're missing a part of the equation. Leadership is an inside out process. And the inside will always come out. And if I'm not developing the inside, what's actually coming out is not going to be long-term something that is going to sustain the kind of success I'd like to have in my life. I have to continue working inside because my external world is a reflection of what, what goes on inside. 
So this next ingredient, imagination, let's go into that a little bit. Yeah. Imagination, for me, imagination lives at the threshold uh, of the spirit. And it's the gateway, actually. It's the gateway. Um, three o'clock in the morning, what do you imagine? You know, that's sort of, yeah, that's where imagination typically, you know, for adults will show up. And it's usually the scary scenario. It's kind of like, oh my God, what if, what if, what if? We use our imaginations in really inappropriate ways. We don't use it as creative mechanism, as a creative mechanism, typically. Now, kids, their imagination runs wild 24-7. Sure. <laughs> They're imagining all kinds of stuff. I mean, I remember strapping a cape on when I was, I think, six years old or five years old and jumping off the roof of the house because I could imagine myself flying as Superman. Yeah. And I twisted my ankle and mom, you know, mom was a little upset about it. And, but but that didn't, the imagination created a possibility. Yes. And that's what the use of the imagination is about. It it, it allows me to tap into, you know, Carl Jung, uh, the philosopher, said, without the play of the imagination, nothing of consequences ever come into form. Without the play of the imagination. Yes. And what's interesting, I mean, Bob and I would talk about this as well. Um, you know, everything, everything that we experience in life was invented two times. First, as an idea. And then secondly, in physical form. Sure. And it's that ideation that I want to actually be able to tap into. Yeah, creative ideation. What, yeah. What's possible? What could be possible? That's great. It's the first and second creation from beginning with the end in mind in Covey's book. I mean, that's what this yes, is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's first and second creation. I got to tell you, when I was younger, me and my dad, we used to sit around and we used to win the lottery together. <laughs> and then uh -huh. we used to spend the money. It's like, what are we buying, Julie? We just won the lottery. And we would sit and rehearse how we were winning the lottery. And, and my mother was like, you guys are insane. You're sick. And I'm like, what do you mean? We're having so much fun. I am a brainstorming kind of person. So in my old house, I had a wall that was a whiteboard, like an entire huge board, just so I could mm -hmm. take my markers and start like brainstorming what I wanted to happen. And then, of course, that moves into journaling, which moves into vision boarding. Like I have it all. And yeah. when you ask somebody that's very successful, I say to them, all right, where's your book? Show me your book. And they're like, <laughs> you know, most people don't really understand what that means, but that yeah. Blaine, you might so know good. what I mean. You have a book yeah. where you're like, you have white pages. Oh. oh, absolutely. And you're visioning out what you want to have happen. Right. Yeah, I've got I've got about seven of them. <laughs> I do right too. Now. I can show you my stepped up here. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. kinds of ideas and stuff and thoughts that just kind of flip through. And yeah, yeah, I think it was yeah. Thomas Edison that said, "When a thought comes through, you know, spirit with a pen, because they it's like a squirrely fish; it will swim away if you don't spirit real quick." So you got to write it down, write it down. Yeah. And I think that certain personality types. I'm a big Myers Briggs person. I don't know if you like it or not, yeah. but. MBI, uh, yeah. yeah, the MBTI. I I am an N. I intuition is the way I um, take in information. So I have a natural ability to do this. People, some people are more naturally good at this. Is this idea mm -hmm. of brainstorming or have the desire to <laughs> brainstorm? But I think that everybody can remember back to when they were a child. The idea of remembering the past. 
we can remember the future too. Sure. That's the that's the power of imagination. I can remember the future and bring it into the present. Just the same way that I can bring the past. And this is where most scary memories come from when we remember the past and bring it into the present. Yes. And then and then we have this emotional response to it that just you know, begins to create the same sort of a scenario again. I want to remember the future in the way that I'd love it to be. I experience it now and then it starts to show up. Yeah. And they talk about this in the movie, The Secret, in Think and Grow Rich. It's like you need to have that ability to know what you want before it happens. Yeah. 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 The law of attraction is a secondary law. It's the law of vibration that actually informs the law of attraction. I, yeah, everything vibrates, everything moves at a certain frequency band. So if I'm imagining a future state, it exists on a future frequency band. So I start imagining that and emotions are the human's way, our human beings way of uh, vibrating in concert with whatever it is that's going on around us. So yeah. I start the quote unquote vibrate. I get on that same frequency and the next thing I know, I'm looking around here and I've got things that exist on that frequency band beginning to appear that I can utilize to create this, you know, what it is that I say I'd love to have. Yeah. And that's, yeah. it looks like the law of attraction, but it's really the law of frequency. I just moved. Yeah. It's just a phase shift. Right. And that's what I want to imagine. We all want to imagine it, Blaine. We all want to imagine and, and take hold of what's available to us. And apparently yeah. all things are possible. All things are possible. Everything is possible. Now, some things will take more, more time to gestate than others, but yeah, it's, it's all, it, there is nothing that has ever come into being into place, into reality, into manifested experience that doesn't already exist. I play with the notion that it's already happened, whatever it is, it's already happened. I just haven't arrived. Right. So it's just awaiting my arrival. And that arrival, I mean, when I think about it in that way, it takes the anxiety out of it. Yeah. It takes the, the, the God, I hope it happens. Well, don't hope that it happens. It's already happened. Because if you're hoping that it happens, your experience, your mindset says it's missing. Mm. It already exists. So I just need to arrive. And how do I arrive? I arrive by behaving as if it already exists. So what is the next ingredient? Conversation. Oh, conversation. Conversation. Yeah. For me, everything is a relationship. My relationship with my future, my relationship with you know, my goals and objectives, my relationship with the people in my life are all organized around conversations. Everything has a conversational component to it. I describe my relationship with my dream to myself in my mind. There's a conversation that's going on. Uh -huh. The conversation is the relationship. So I want to be paying particular attention to the quality of my conversations. Yeah, not yeah. just the external ones, but the internal ones. Are they, are they mapping to that desired state? And if they're mapping to that desired state, the likelihood is that desired state will be manifest. Imposter syndrome. Let's talk about that for a minute. I, I love when people say, oh, I, I have imposter syndrome. I'm like, really? We're going to go, we're going to make it a thing now. We're going to call it yeah. something. We're going to give it a name. And then we're going to claim that we have it. I mean. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. Imposter in whose world? Right. <laughs> yeah. The only place that you're an imposter is in your own world. Well, you choose that story. Exactly. Two questions. Who am I? Where do I belong? Yeah. So. You choose that story. And guess what, Blaine? What you just said, that story enters into the room before you do. Yep. Yep. It always will. So it, it really is about taking the boundaries and the ego out and the stories out so that you can show up as the most pure version of yourself as possible. The best version of you needs to come to the table because when you come to the table as the best version of yourself, opportunities can unfold in the most natural way. Yeah, that's, you know, the definition of authenticity, and I, I do a program called, you know, Leadership Authenticity. Uh, I'm on the uh, teaching faculty of the American Association for Physician Leadership. And the program I run with them is Leadership Authenticity. And as you can imagine in the OR and the clinic, you know, the authenticity is probably going to be pretty important. We wrestled with how do you define authenticity? And what I landed on was not a Kierkegaardian definition or a Jungian definition or any of that. So I said, basically, authenticity is what I'm left with when I stop trying to manage your perception of me. Then I get to just show up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And somewhere along the way, you need to give yourself permission to do that. Yep. And that's where courage comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Because it requires vulnerability. Authenticity requires vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And as long as I'm behind a facade or behind a story, there's no place for people to connect. There's no, no access point. Yeah, it's true. That's why when I meet people for the very first time, I try to be as authentic as I possibly can. Because I know, bam, I can make a connection. In a very short period of time, if I could go in with my vulnerability story and tell people, hey, guys, I look, I'm here because I'm I'm a uh, this is the product of struggle. I I've, like the, the struggle <laughs> is real. I've done it all. So like, what yeah. do you want to start with? What, do you want me to tell you where I struggled? Do you want me to show you my battle wounds? I don't know what you want to see, but we're in this together and there's nothing that I haven't experienced that, I mean, maybe there are things I haven't experienced, but at this point, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know to care about, right? Wait, well, that's the thing. Like once you get, and I think that's like part of the life journey, the more you get broken it down is. and broken down and broken down, you know, you're like, well, what are you going to take from me next? I, I don't have pride. I don't have an ego. You have nothing yeah. left. So I might as well just show up as me. Yeah. I mean, Janice Joplin, you know, that yeah, great prophet. Yeah. <laughs> Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. <laughs> and, and so I'm free of my ego. Now, not that I'll ever be free. We, we have an ego. We'll always sure, have an ego. Sure. Yeah, it's true. We can't yeah. We can't navigate this time and space you know, thing that we live in without an ego of some sort. But I don't want to be trapped by my ego. I want to be able to use my ego effectively. So we've been talking about the journey to the soul. Let's just do a quick recap of these three ingredients. The first we said was mindset. Yep. Mindset. It's the paradigm that I use to construct my experience of reality. 
and and it's and it's manufactured. It's it it is totally manufactured. When I was when I was born, I was given a ticket, and that ticket literally had stamped on it, "Admit one." It didn't have anything else on it. It just said "Admit one." No guarantees, no user manual, no nothing. Hmm. And then I made up what I've made up. That's the mindset. Wow. The second one we talked about was imagination. Yeah. Imagination for me is it lives at the threshold of the soul. It's where I imagine life being its fullest. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of remembering the future uh, is, is one of the things that we had talked about. Yes. I love remembering the future. And the next thing was about conversations. Yeah, we we don't have conversations about relationships, which is what most people think that we're actually having. We the conversation is the relationship, and the conversation I generally refer to is that 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 internal conversation that generates the story that has an energetic dynamic that produces the reality that I experience in my life. And these are the ingredients for success to the journey of the soul. This has been an amazing conversation, very deep. I almost want to take all the things that you taught me and make a one pager out of them and build some graphics around them. There's so many, so many nuggets <laughs> of truth and, and just amazing revelations for me here in this moment. Blaine, tell me about what you're doing right now and where the Stay on Course audience can find out more about you. Well, yeah, LinkedIn, also my personal website, blainebartlett.com. Leadership development is what I pay attention to. Yeah, we've got uh, a, a, a secrets to sustaining success toolkit that uh, people can access. It's you know just almost a you know, I mean it's a, you know, less than a hundred dollar you know price point on it. But the idea there is how do we sustain success over life, and that's a large part of what I work with with executives is how do you sustain success, and so we put together a couple of different things, and I've got a lot of free resources on the website that people can avail themselves of as well. Blaine, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Stay on Course podcast. Uh, Julie, it has been an absolutely joyous time. I love this. Thank you for being such a great host. I love your questions. Thank you so much. Are you looking to unlock your full potential on your leadership journey? Well, look no further than the Stay on Course podcast. I'm Coach Julie Riga, and I'm here to help you discover your personal purpose and how it connects to work. With my solutions, you'll learn to be present in the moment, bounce back from setbacks, and manage your time effectively. If you are ready to take the next step, why don't you schedule a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me, or join one of my workshops, or even become part of the Stay On Course learning community. Visit stayoncourse.io today. And let's move forward towards success together. Thank you for listening to another episode of Stay On Course. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so Julie can continue serving up delectable experts and appetizing content directly to your earbuds. And remember... Right now, you have the ingredients to be living the life you are meant to live. This has been a production of The Mediacasters.